Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Planet Eris, I'll be your paladin, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, my co-host and helpful space mouse, is Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, little space mouse? <laughs> oh, David, David, David. I'm doing well. How about yourself, buddy? Doing really good, man. I'm super excited to talk about uh, this particular series tonight, and I'm even more excited, if you can believe it, to introduce one of our special guests tonight. He is a returning guest to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Yes! He is freelance writer extraordinaire for sites you may have heard of, like IGN and Collider.com. He's Max Nicholson. Hello! Thank Welcome you for having me, guys. Yeah, Thank you. We, back. We had Max for a, uh, a Star Wars suite back in the day. Yeah. We had our Star Wars month. Uh, he brought his, uh, his brand of expertise to bear on, I think, Star Wars droids and rebels. I think we decided that's what it was. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. So. Good times. Good stuff. Uh, we're going to change it up a little bit this week, uh, continuing our uh, revisit to the Voltron series. We're actually going to be talking about the new Voltron series that uh, just came out last weekend on Netflix, Voltron Legendary Defender. I think we're all excited about this one. Sean, what, what's, your, what's your first gut reaction to the show? Uh, I was excited from seeing the original promo images, and then after having watched the first five episodes so far of the series, I'm, I'm in love. He's in love. You heard it here first. Match made in heaven. I'm going to ship it. I like it that much. This, I think this now sets the record for most recent show we've talked about, because I don't think we can talk <laughs> about anything more recent than a week old. <laughs> Unless we're talking about something that's currently being animated. Um, so, Sean, buddy, you want to give the listeners out there the brief and recent history of Voltron Legendary Defender? Absolutely. Voltron Legendary Defender is an American animated television series produced by DreamWorks Animation Television and World Events Production, animated by Studio Mir. It is a reboot of the 1984 Voltron series, and its animation is a mix of anime influence for characters and background and CGI for Voltron action sequences. The series premiered on Netflix June 10th, 2016, and consists of 13 episodes. There you go. Excellent. Yeah, and that 13 episodes we should mention is actually, I think it might actually be 11 because they have the, the, origin, um, the origin story is an hour long, and it's called Rise of Voltron, but it's kind of right. its own separate yeah. thing. I think it's a triple length. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's either double or triple, so the, the episode counts a little off, but uh, it's a short one. You know, we didn't sit through 26 episodes of it, so... <laughs> So I, I was a little bit curious when I watched that first episode because I didn't realize that the time difference was so long that it was that triple episode. Right. And when I got to the end, I was sitting there thinking to myself, how many episodes have I actually watched? <laughs> yeah. Also, did they, is each episode of this Voltron series an hour? This <laughs> is <laughs> just like a, an event series. That'd be great. <laughs> Do I have 13 it's, hours? It's <laughs> yeah. Netflix. Anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, just binge it. It's just yeah. one episode that's six and a half hours long. I got kind of crazy excited. I was like, oh, they're going to have so much time to do everything that they want within this series. How exciting is this? They finally have given this show some, an ample amount of time to grow into this universe and, and do so many cool things. Nope. Okay. It's normally just a 22 no, it's, minute No, yeah, it's just yeah, a normal cool. thing. Fair enough. <laughs> just straight up normal cartoon. <laughs> no, they had a really cool intros uh, episode, which we can talk about too. That'll kind of kick off our discussion here tonight. But, uh, to give you folks out there a bit of a synopsis on what the show is actually about, here we go. So, for, for millennia, the evil Galra Empire has plagued the universe by conquering planets and destroying their inhabitants. If you can't tell, these are the bad guys. The only known threat to the Empire's power and plans is a legendary defender of the universe, Voltron, a 100-meter-tall robot warrior comprised of five lion mechas. That should be enough to get you excited right there. <laughs> now cut to the present, where the Galra Empire's path of conquest and search for Voltron has led them to Earth's solar system. A group of space pilots, Shiro, Keith, Lance, Pidge, and Hunk, discover the Blue Lion and immediately get swept into the Galran War. They meet Princess Allura, become the next paladins, and reunite the Five Lions to form Voltron and combat King Zarkon's nefarious schemes and ultimately defeat the entire Galra Empire. I love that that synopsis just like literally summed up the entire <laughs> season. <laughs> Uh, they didn't quite get to that point at the end of the first season. Spoiler alert, they didn't. It's not just a one-season wonder, so yeah, yeah. you don't have to worry about that too much. Um, yeah. let's, let's go around the horn real quick. And Sean, I know your kind of background with Voltron since we talked about it on last week's episode. Right. Um, but Max, what about you? Coming into this one on you know scale of 1 to 10, how familiar were you with the traditional shows? How excited were you for this one? All right, so I was a, I was a Voltron newbie, actually. Um, I was a, so I'm a 90s kid, so I was more uh, into Power Rangers growing up, uh, 
So I didn't get much exposure to Voltron, but I was super excited for this one in particular because I am a huge fan of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, and obviously right. this uh, creative team is working on that, and uh, so I was, I was pretty jazzed about Legendary Defender. Yeah, I actually definitely wanted to talk to you about like the Power Rangers um, kind of connection. Sure. I think you tweeted something out not too long ago that people were confused as to like which one came first, and quote unquote yeah, he ripped off I, who yeah right so i did the i did the season review uh for ign actually and they uh a bunch of comments were like isn't it crazy how like power rangers ripped off voltron and i'm like ah, 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 ah. it's like super sentai came out in 1975 which predates voltron just exactly so you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're yeah, I, get, I, get a, I get a little defensive about my uh my power rangers but uh <laughs> but no i i, I am now uh, i'm a, i'm now a, a voltron fan after watching this show i binge the whole oh, thing you're in one a city. convert fantastic I, I am i am a convert here this is the this is the most important question i'm going to ask you all night uh sure. so in power rangers right yes. when they all come together to form the megazord in whatever iteration all their cockpits kind of come together in one area right Exactly right. So I was I was a little thrown off by the fact that I guess like the Voltron ones are like actually still no, yeah the, they're still the just limbs. hanging out in the pits yeah. <laughs> which is kind of awesome honestly but yeah so yeah the the Power Rangers they like all kind of like get sucked up into the to the head I guess yeah I always thought like just from an engineering standpoint just practicality I was just like how the fuck does that work right. but I love the <laughs> fact that like all the Voltron pilots are like in the fists or the feet right so, like Shiro the leader is just chilling up there he's totally cool. But these guys are flying like the right. forces must be like crushing them left <laughs> exactly. and right. Exactly. But no, I loved it. I loved the how they all had to work together as a team. But yeah, so speaking of, this is a Saturday morning cartoons team. Let's tackle this uh, this theme song here. It's actually so new that I could not find a rip of just the theme song for this episode. So we kind of binge watched these on Netflix. Netflix has a habit of cutting out the theme song. So did did anything jump out at you guys about this this theme song, this intro scene, Sean? I mean, it does a good job in terms of, you know, setting everything up uh, for, for somebody who might be sort of like Max, might be a newbie and might be kind of getting into the series for the first time. It does a good job with some of those establishing shots and, and setting a tone. I don't know that it, it had necessarily the, the same impact that the trumpets kind of had or the brass section had from the, yeah, the original, yeah. right, from the original Voltron, but I don't think that it's fair for me to draw the comparison to the nostalgia of the original Voltron theme would song. You, would you say it's fanfare for you? Damn. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Continue. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had to. <laughs> just derailing you again, buddy. No, it's okay. So, I mean, I, you know, I, obviously the old original Voltron, uh, the musical components of that theme song hold a very special place in my heart, but I could definitely do without the narration that's involved in it. I think that this did a good job of just kind of bringing you into the show, letting you know, and then letting the show itself speak for what was going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy it, but I, I will say again that it, it didn't feel like there was anything specific that really kind of stood out for me. Gotcha. Max, how about you, since this is kind of your first introduction to, it, it literally is like the first introduction to the show as you're right, watching right. as a viewing experience. So yeah. anything jump out at you? Yeah, so I, I did go back and <clears throat> watch a few uh, of the old series after I, uh, oh, okay. after I watched this. So I, 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 I got I'm a so sense sorry. of that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So yeah, I, I, uh, I, I do love that original theme. It's uh, very, yeah, like you said, fan fairy. Um, but this to me, it, it kind of striked me as a, as a sort of a, like a Blade Runner type mm. kind of like 80s synthy music, you know, uh, which, I, which I was a fan of. Um, but yeah, like I can't, I can't like think, I can't like hum it or like, you know, it doesn't get stuck in your head or anything. But like, yeah, and then, and this new one for me, it just didn't. There wasn't anything that, I guess they kind of carried over some of the same theme, but it didn't really strike me as anything. Right. Memorable. But like the the footage was cool. It's like it's kind of like a little sizzle sizzle reel kind of. Yeah. Jazzed about what's coming up and yeah, I, I, I liked it. I'll tell you what, my favorite part of it was actually the DreamWorks animation logo. Yes. Because so, so like the DreamWorks animation logo by itself is just like a, uh, a, like a really thin crescent-shaped moon. Yeah. Uh, like a hangnail moon, right? And normally there's like a little kid fishing off the end of it, I think. Um, right, yeah. This one was, it showed, it said like DreamWorks animation at the bottom, it showed a full moon, and then there was just like this arc of like blue laser light that just cut out <laughs> a giant chunk of the moon, and this just fucking Voltron standing behind it with his sword. It just cut the moon basically yeah. like in half. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. I think, I, I think that should be this. DreamWorks' like default now. <laughs> is, is, oh, is Voltron amazing. cutting the moon up? 
it was so good because it made me think like it it weirdly made me think the first question i had was how the fuck big is voltron i mean it's got the moon (laughs) cut 90 percent of it he's clearly not that big but that's like a fun thing for uh anybody read ready player one yes yes did you guys both read that i think there's a mention of like the different heights of like spoiler alert uh, all the robots and stuff that show up in that one mega scene where it's like, you know, Optimus Prime is big, but then Voltron's like two, three times his size. Right. Uh, but I think there's a lot of argument to be had on the internet about how big these various mecha bots are, but for another day. Got to get that 100 meter tall fighting robot. Yeah, 100 meter. It's, uh, <laughs> I love that it's the metric system and it's as, right. as metric system as you could possibly be. I think... I think Dave, just sort of with your your admiration for the the DreamWorks logo, mm-hmm. I think that it would be great if maybe for the MGM logo, if we could just get rid of the lion and just have it just be like a roaring right paw of like Keith, just kind just of like rah! a red fist, yeah. red fist lion coming at you. I would love it if Voltron replaced every logo ever. Yeah, that's got to be some fan art out there. No, that would be great yeah. because we could. It, it has so many implications. We can do it for Bad Robot. Yep. Just That's a red true. line, just peek its head up out of the out of the grass there. Yeah, just run through. Come, come smashing out of the Paramount Mountain. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> or you could just lop the top of it off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it can just stomp on that Pixar light. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> totally fine with that. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's talk. Last week we talked about the uh, the characters, obviously, as we often do here, and I don't. We probably weren't particularly kind to them. Not at all. But that being said, this is the, the, this version is based on those same characters. They didn't really, on the face of it, change a whole lot. But they definitely made some important changes. I'll just put it that way. So it's like they have the, the kernel, um, the root of those same characters. But they definitely made some, I think, superior, much better changes with this one. So you just want to go down the list? Do you want to start with, uh, you want to start with Keith? Sean? Yeah. Uh, we have What's Keith. your impression of Keith? Keith, I love the fact that they played him off as he is in the red suit and thankfully also the red lion. Yeah. Uh, He's described as being uh, very impulsive, somebody who needs to learn patience. And so anybody who is familiar with color theory understands that red can be a violent or aggressive color. And so it's nice to kind of see them play some of those personality traits directly into the characters. Just ask a bull. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Max, what was your... So you didn't have... um, this kind of baggage that we brought from the, right, the other yeah. Voltron with us. <laughs> yeah, I, ca- I came in baggage-free. Which is good, I think, especially for Keith, because Keith so is jealous. introduced a little further down the line. He's not really introduced with the, uh, the trio who we get gotcha. to meet first. So I, what was yeah. your impressions when, uh, yeah, when Keith came in? Yeah, I, I, I liked him a lot. Uh, I know Steven Yeun does the voice for him, right? So it's yes. like, I, I think he was kind of the big get for, uh, for this show, seemingly. Um, I mean, the, the rest of the voice cast is also awesome, and I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about that too. But uh, I thought he was really well done. Like I was glad, I was glad with that character in particular that they they like kind of started him out sort of like stoic, serious one, um, which like there was already kind of that with Shiro, right? But right. like I kind of liked how his rival rivalry with uh, Lance kind of you know lightened him up a little bit, sort of had some fun with him. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of cool interactions with each of these characters. One of the great things about it is that all five of them and the other characters that will eventually be folded in all have moments where they either kind of pair off with the same people or they're interacting with different teammates at different times. So you really get to see all kinds of sides of their personality. Yeah, um, that's great. And Sean and I had talked about this on the previous episode. When you watch the original Voltron or the Americanized version, the team is fully formed. They're all garrison soldiers. They're all garrison recruits. Galaxy Garrison. Together. Galaxy Garrison. They're all together, all five of them. Um, they're already, they come pre-color-coded and all that kind of stuff. Uh. So they're, they're already together. This time, we actually have a trio that we meet that are in the Galaxy Garrison, and then the other two come in later. So, Sean, I'll give you your pick here. Which of the trio would you like to talk about next? Well, I, before we jump in, I, I wanted to ask that, that one moment where you finally meet Keith, okay. and he's back kind of in his shed, and he reveals this kind of like murder board or conspiracy theory board. <laughs> it looks like a serial killer. Did yeah. anybody else think to themselves, like, oh, please let him be really crazy please let him like play the weird conspiracy theorist angle i want him to be like a molder to the rest of the team as a scully 
Or like, a, just, what's that guy from Law and Order? Like Monk? What's his name? From, yeah, uh, right? Yeah, I everything's just, a conspiracy there. Oh, I just wanted him to really kind of dig into that. And I, I haven't really seen much more of it in the last couple episodes, but that was, my, that was my hope for Keith, was that he would just be really crazy. See, I, I like Keith's introduction because we're introduced to these three characters who are just like, they're young, they're, they're teenagers, maybe early 20s at the most, but like teenagers, and they're all... The recruits in a military organization, basically. So they're all kind of regimented. They have a little bit of a rebellious streak, but they don't go too crazy. And then you're introduced to this guy who you've been told by the higher ups in the command that like he was a great pilot, but he's been fired. Well, fired. He's been kicked out for disciplinary reasons. Right. He's like a loose cannon. He flies off the cuff. He's un, you know, he's impatient. You just, you can't control him. So I was just like, oh, I definitely want to meet this guy. And then lo and behold, it's Keith. Um. So I really like the intro for him. Right. Um, yeah. And how that kind of comes about. And to answer your question, I, you know, I loved the introduction of Lance as okay, sort of cool. being this replacement pilot for Keith. So Keith gets kicked out. Right. And it allows Lance to come in and now be a pilot. And so as he was like a cargo pilot before. Exactly. And now they're yeah. him up to like fighter pilot because they don't have anybody else. Right. And so they set up this great dynamic where there's a lot of tension between them. And so the and, and Lance again is very much sort of a, the ladies' man. There's a lot of moments that he has with uh, Princess Alora later on, where he mm-hmm. is, you know, very interested in her. You know, very cheeky kind of smiles, and and that's that's fun, and that that's a great character trait for him to continue to play. That he really does. He thinks he's the best. Like he thinks that he's great. Like he is. He's very proud of himself, and I I, I can enjoy that to a certain point. What was interesting was that Dave and I last week had a little bit of a, a difference of opinion regarding whether or not it's fantastic to have all of your characters that know each other ahead right. of time, or if it's better to have everybody be strangers. And this show really did the best of both in terms of a hybrid. And that was what was fantastic about it, was that you had these people who had ideas of who other team members were, or they've, they've heard about them through the grapevine, but they didn't technically know one another they'd never really been formally introduced and so the the dynamic that they end up playing with this is that again there's a lot that they can play with in terms of history and past and and backstory but it's nice to kind of have this core group with lance kind of leading them as their their fighter pilot you know uh responsible and kind of uh bringing them into the fold and then we have the introduction of keith who everybody knows about and then shiro as well and so that just really set up a, a great group dynamic. That was the one thing I was like, how are they going to put everybody together? Right. And when they targeted and went in this direction, I was so unbelievably happy and excited. I almost messaged Dave and just be like, they did the thing. They did the thing that we yeah, both it wanted. It was cool that we they were just talking about it. And it was, yeah, it was a great marriage of the two because you had a, a trio that came fully formed. You knew they had at least been through school together. You didn't really know how long they knew each other. Right. But you knew it was a, a unit that you could kind of count on to be cohesive. And then you could add in these kind of chaos elements over time and then see how that really changed everything up. So that was a great middle ground between everybody's already together over here or nobody knows each other over here. So it was a really great way to do that. Uh, Max, if yeah, yeah, I I think that uh, that relationship between Lance and Keith in particular is awesome because like my favorite aspect of that uh, relationship is the fact that like. Keith doesn't think that there's like anything happening between the two of them, but like, yeah, Lance he's like is... completely oblivious that Lance <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exists. He's, he's like, who, who, what who did are you get? again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, I love, I just love that uh, kind of little twist on on their their uh, clash. Yeah, and then over the course of the entire uh, season, which Max and I have watched the full season, right, right. Max? You said you watched. Yes, yeah. I did. Uh, and Sean's not quite caught up, but I think it it suffices to say that Keith and Lance, um, they have a really cool arc because it's. It's either Lance is trying to compete with Keith and Keith is just completely oblivious to him. And then they start to actually compete together and they both know it. And then they right. actually have kind of like a really cool uh, bromance that kind of develops later on and they Aww. end up saving each uh, other. Yeah, the, mut- so really the mutual cool. respect. I like, yeah. I like that kind of uh, development. That's great. Yeah. Excellent. So Max, of the, of the three, uh, if you have anything more for Lance and then of the remaining two, which one would you like to chat about next? Uh, I, I kind of did want to talk about uh, Pidge a little bit because I thought okay, that cool. was... Uh, a very interesting take on that character. I assume I haven't watched all of Ultron, but I assume that uh, that twist maybe twist. Uh, not not in in that show. I assume no. This is definitely no. the first time they've ever done that. Yeah. So <laughs> major spoilers to to follow here. But I I did love the fact that she ended up having this kind. Of, you 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 get this uh this image of uh, a guy and a girl, and like it looks like one of them is him, and then the other is a girl. 
and then you you get this uh, this really awesome reveal at the end of episode three with uh, and it, it all, the way they fed it into with the, uh, the the relationship with Shiro, like you said, the pairings between uh, characters. It was like, yeah, they were I, a I great really, they were a great pair. I yeah. love yeah, I love that uh, that relationship between the two of them and the way that they uh, paid that off with him kind of figuring out like putting two and two together, like oh, you're the little sister in that picture. You're not like that that kid that I was with was the the one that I thought you were. <laughs> because Max... Yeah, so there's... Yeah, go ahead. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but, but right. Pidge is holding this, this photo, and it's of a... Like, it looks like him, and then it looks like uh, a woman, like a young woman. Exactly. And it looks like he's yeah. standing there with a younger sister or a girlfriend. Well, they, 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 they keep referring they to as a girlfriend. Joke, yeah, 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 they kind of joke that it's a, a lady friend, right? But um, you, you do... And so, like, I was thinking, I was like... No, it can't be a girlfriend. I was guessing like sibling, like younger sibling. Yeah, I thought sister. Yeah. And that, that, and I was like, that's got to be it. That's like the obvious like explanation. But then, but then they throw that curveball at you, and you're like, oh, oh. that's crazy. But and awesome. it's cool because yeah. they actually have like you rarely do you see a cartoon used flashbacks, yeah. which was actually pretty cool because there's a couple moments where they actually for some of these characters' backstories they actually do a flashback. I think it's important now, and Max, we'll get back to you to, um, to talk more about Pidge, but I think it's important sure. to probably talk about the very early opening of the, of the show. So just for context, because it really does explain how these characters are kind of related, it opens on this moon of Pluto called Kerberos, which is a real moon. And it's a team of uh, basically like space explorers and scientists right. that include, you don't know this up front, but it includes Shiro, and then it includes a father and a son. And then, long story short, these guys all get kidnapped by the Galra Empire. They get kidnapped by one of Zarkon's ships, and they basically are, like, imprisoned. They're basically slaves. Not quite as crazy as uh, Beast King Golion with the slaves, but uh, they're enslaved, they're imprisoned, and then they're basically, like, pit against each other in these gladiatorial games. So, again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Shira does eventually come back to Earth, and that whole thing is, like, his mystery uh, throughout the entire season if not the whole series because there's still still some stuff that we don't know really about him but the important thing here is that when shiro comes back there is a tie in with um pidge and that leads into what max was talking about with the reveal that is basically pidge was the younger sister that was left behind when her brother and father went on this uh explore explore mission with shiro <laughs> it's a little crazy watch the first episode the the uh introductory hour or so and it'll it'll make more sense but this reveal doesn't come till a little bit later yeah. right i think it's the third episode i think so yeah, yeah third or fourth but it's really cool because there's a nice moment between shiro and pidge slash katie because shiro knows who she is because mm -hmm. he's spent time with her brother and father Right, and um, they obviously talked about her and missing her, and you know we're worried about hers. So, oh, she's now looking for them, and this is why she kind of joined the Galaxy Garrison. She probably has the best character arc in the season. That's arguable. I, yeah, uh, I don't. But I, I would agree with that. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think don't know that, if I've I think marinated that she's, on it enough yet. I think yeah. that she's given the most motivation. She's given a, a considerable amount of of reason and desire to be there, and and there are moments when she has. She's thought to herself, like, I, I don't need to be involved with this. I, I'm here for a very yeah. specific mission. Right. And you, you sort of see that, that passion, that drive of what's going to potentially take her away from the Voltron Force. Right. And yeah. you see her also kind of come back into the fold and realize how important that teamwork actually is. Right. And that, that's something that, you know, that's been a reoccurring theme. And you see a lot of it in the original Voltron, in the OG American Voltron. Uh, and they, they play around with a lot of those concepts of, of teamwork, but this is something that just does such a beautiful job of, of reinforcing and allowing it to breathe. In, in some of the other ones, in the OG American Voltron, it felt very kind of campy. It kind of felt silly in, at times. Yeah. And this really kind of paid respect in, a, in an actual manner where you, you felt like, oh, these, these people are actually... They care about people. each other. Like, and they're actually people, too. Right. They have problems. They have feelings. They have emotions. They have doubts. They have weaknesses and strengths. And right. that really came through. And I think that's really a testament to the strength of the uh, production team from behind Avatar, behind Legend of Korra. Because that was, yeah, those I, were the strengths yeah. from those shows. I mean, yeah. And you, you, get those, you get those arcs that are, that are prevalent in those shows, I feel, which you don't really get with that many uh, cartoons, I feel like. 
actual character arcs that develop over the course of episodes. And again, that kind of feeds into the Netflix model of this show. Right. right? So yeah, uh, I, I, I love, I love that. I love all the character work in this. I think it's like one of its, one of its highlights. You mean to have strong heroes that are actually vulnerable? Yeah. <laughs> what? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> oh my God. It's great because at, at the core of it, so here's like high level version of these things. So like there's these five earthlings that all have their own baggage that they carry with them. They're literally thrown into a 10,000 year galactic war where they have to pilot giant robot lions, find this mystical legendary robot, well, and then form a giant mystical legendary robot and then use that to defend the entire freaking universe or galaxy or whatever, you know, whatever size. Sometimes defending a starship is hard enough versus a planet versus a galaxy versus the universe. But there, there's a huge amount of weight and importance and responsibility that's put on these five team members. And you really start to feel that as the series goes on. You don't really feel that with the old series. It just seems like an action show where every episode is just like, oh, the lions are going to fight a thing. They're going to fail. They're going to form Voltron. They're going to cut the thing in half. Okay, see you next week. I, and right. this didn't feel like that at all. So, Dave, I mean, that formula doesn't sound at all like Power Rangers. <laughs> okay. Right, okay. I'm going to step back. Dig. You two can fight that, it out. That's some, that's some fighting words. <laughs> you, you all just wait until 2017 when the new movie comes out. And you'll be eating your words. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Voltron movie to come out, man. Yeah, true. True enough. I really hope Power Rangers does well, and I hope that uh, this series gets another season. <laughs> Uh, oh, I would absolutely. love to see it. I think, I think this, yeah, this show definitely needs a second season. Oh, definitely. Especially the way they ended up. Right. But let, let's lighten it up by talking about the heaviest member of the team here. Let's talk about Hunk. Let's <laughs> yes. talk about our buddy Hunk, <laughs> voiced by Tyler Labine, who was way funnier than I thought he would be, to be honest with you. Oh, man. Um, who knew, right? Yeah. He, I mean, I knew he was kind of him. a funny guy, but right. I thought and he could he, be over the top. He's great in live action stuff, but as a, as a cartoon character, I thought he really flourished. Yeah, uh, him and uh, and Reese Darby were probably the two funniest. Yes, yes. The entire Reece show. Dar- Reese Darby was hilarious too. He's amazing. Uh, as, as, he had uh, me cracking Coran. up left and right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so Hunk is the uh, the yellow pilot, and he pilots the uh, yellow lion, which is great. He's he's a big guy. He's huge. He likes eating food all the time, but he has a problem with kind of like an upset stomach when he's flying, so he tends to throw up a lot as well, <laughs> um, which was a little a little kidsy for me in the beginning, but it's yeah. it's funny enough. Um, but he has another side to him too, where he actually is like, he's very thoughtful. He's very loyal to his friends and uh, teammates. And he will put himself in danger, whether he, you know, what intentionally or otherwise, uh, he will kind of get in between a threat and his friends. So I really did like Hunk. I liked him as the comic relief. I love how he interacts with Lance. And then later on with uh, a character you meet named Shay. Um, he's got some cool stuff too. Yeah. But he's definitely, so the, the yellow line is one of the legs. So he's literally just like the support of Voltron. When he, and, one of the and, he and, I, and I love, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Max, please. I think oh, we're about to say, say the same thing. Uh, okay. I, say I it love, together. <laughs> I loved how his lion was like the one that does like the, the ramming. Like it was a very physical yeah, lion, headbutts, right? Which yeah. I thought was, which I thought was kind of interesting with, uh, with uh, his character too. He's and he's got like, that extra armor too. He's got like the big heavy armor on him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The way, the way they actually designed all the lions. Really oh, they're cool. great. They, yeah, because they, they all looked slightly different. They didn't look just like the, the color wasn't just like the, the only thing. Like, even if they were all the same, like, uh, you know, metal color. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like five Honda Accords in a parking lot that are all just different <laughs> colors. Was, uh, you <laughs> exactly. know, one's like tricked out, one's from 1989. One's exactly, like... yeah. I just love the fact that in that moment when they finally do form Voltron and Hunk <laughs> becomes that leg, he goes, I'm a <laughs> and then which is which is followed which is, up in the next yes. episode yeah, yeah they, 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 they have that callback they have the jokes in this seem again like they're not even jokes they're written as like actual reactions to the situation that's happening yeah. and then they do a great job in these moments of, of calling them back in the next episode when somebody says to him, I think Lance is like, you said just a couple minutes ago that you were a leg. And like, so it's, it's literally to, to, I want to touch on this point too. In the original series, they got the five lines, they mashed them together. They were Voltron done problem solved. Yeah. In this one. Yes, that does happen relatively early on. They have to kind of earn it, but it does happen fairly early on. But then to do it again, they're kind of put through their paces. They really have to train. They have to work together as a team. They even kind of have to do this crazy, like mind meld. So they're all, they all are like, siblings and really invested in each other so that they literally work together as a team 
there's a hilarious moment where they're trying to figure out how to physically form Voltron. Because they're looking around, they're like, I don't see like a form Voltron or a form giant metal robot lever. Um, so they try just flying together, and they get exhausted after doing that for hours. They try to stack themselves up. That was so great. And that is where Hunk is, for whatever reason, just like laying on top. And he's one <laughs> yeah. of the biggest ones. And he's like, well, sometimes I get to be the head. And they're like, you literally just said you were excited to be the leg. And he's like, I yeah. say a lot of it's things. It's like every time? Like every time every, I have to be the like leg? Every time, exactly. yeah. Yeah. They're like, Shiro's the head. So then it's hysterical because it's just like they are literally just stacked on top of each other, which is what I used to do with my the robot lion toys that I had when I was <laughs> The ones that didn't form Voltron were just like, I just stacked them together. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best I got for now. I, I mean, but no, they have, they have a lot of great physical humor, yeah. but it's all earned. There's no real like, there's some easy jokes for kids and stuff, but it's it's really well written, really well done, and everything comes from an earnest place, which I love. Exactly, yeah. and it's all so character driven as well. Like every Absolutely. every yeah, like you said, every joke, every storyline, it's just all very much like comes from these characters. Yeah, and it's there's awesome. definitely plot moments in each of these episodes that like trigger something, but it all sure, all the right, reactions, right. all the, re- the reactions exactly. themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's all, all come from a character those, base. Those character archetypes. Yeah. John? One of my favorite moments is that they, they're in a dire situation. Shiro has just given them a pep talk about how, look, guys, we're a team. We need to do this together. So many other people are, are counting on us. Uh, are you with me? And it cuts to one of those shots where you see the four other pilots, and it's kind of like at an angle across, and it's all of their heads, and it's very close. And they all just, he's like, are you with me? And they all four of them just kind of nod. And then Hunk is at the very end and he, tur- he turns to everybody else. He goes, are we all nodding? He goes, I nodded. Did everybody else oh, nod? Not everybody else nod. Is everybody- <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like, the, he's got like some confidence issues. So he wants to make sure that like he's doing the right thing that everybody else is doing. But, a, 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 but again, like, it's just, it's such a, it's such a simple, easy acknowledgement of kind of how a lot of these original cuts and, right. and presentation were created for the original Americanized Voltron and even, you know, BKGL. And so to, to see them kind of use that and then even kind of play around with it because you, you think and Definitely. you wonder if they are in different areas of the lion when this right. is happening, they're not, they're not next to each other. And if they're just sitting there in this like cut screen and the split screen and they're just sort of nodding at each other, they're not actually saying anything. You have no idea. Right. And so it's just a simple acknowledgement of the things that are going on with them that makes this show so rewarding. But it's also an acknowledgement of the original show's way that they did that because it not only, it's great because it's a, it's a double-bladed thing. It, it pays homage to the original mm-hmm. version of that, which is very like dramatic. It's a really cool cut scene to see all five of them across the board and like all synced up and yeah, together. But it also plays to the reality of just like, oh, we, we literally can't see each other. So, And then they make a joke about it that is really well earned and it's just a short little thing, but it's hilarious. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it really makes you think like, okay, the guys that are writing this show definitely know what they're doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you can see the love and attention that goes into this. You can tell that like uh, Joaquin Santos and Laura Montgomery are just huge fans of the source material, right? Exactly. Okay, so we've mentioned him a couple of times here, and we definitely talked about sort of his introduction in the, uh, the origin episode. But Shiro, uh, Takashi Shiro Shiragane, is actually the leader of the entire team. And he's got this mysterious background that we talked about. He's basically got a, like a gap of, I don't know how long he's been missing. Um, do you guys have any idea how long he was aboard the, uh, the Galran spaceship? Uh, I, I assumed it was like a year or something, but I don't think it's ever explicitly stated, is it? I, don't think. I can't remember if they say like how long he's gone. Cause he like, when he goes away, he's got all black hair. He looks kind of right. normal. And then he comes back. He's got this like shock of white hair. Right. He's got the, the very stereotypical kind of like anime, uh, nose bridge it's like a scar. scar. Yeah. yeah. He's got a scar yeah. and that comes from like fighting. So right. it's supposed to be a, a nod to be like, Oh, this guy's been fighting. And he's also and got. It uh, looks badass. Oh, it does look badass. It does. I want yeah, like, one, but I don't know how you get that. I yeah. think you have to take like a sword to the face, and I'm to, not. Just, super and it has willing. to be at an exact like yes. horizontal angle. And it's got to be deep it's enough like, to cut it all the way across, but <laughs> right. not cut your fucking nose off. Right. right. Like I want, scar. I want Very one, specific. but I don't want to go through the trauma yes. of getting one. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe he things. just did it himself. He probably so, did just to look geez. tough. He's like, I'm going to look like, when I get back, I'm going to look like a badass, you guys. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to bleach the shit out of this front part of my hair. Right. I'm going to cut my own nose, and then I'm going to chop my arm off and put a metal one on. <laughs> yeah. 
Because oh. robot arms are superior. Yeah, especially druid technology robot arms, which we still yeah, don't 100% know what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of cool. You find out that like these these sort of the magical, mystical creatures of the, uh, the Galran Empire, known as druids, have done some sort of experimentation on him. So he has this technology that uh, he can do a lot of cool stuff with. Um, he actually he plays kind of a pivotal role in uh, the team when they try to infiltrate the Galran ships and things like that. He kind of is their access point. He can use their technology. He can power up their machines. It's also a pretty badass fighting weapon, too. So right. I, I love how... Is, yeah. uh, sorry. Not to step no, you're on good, good. But uh, I love how uh, that's like his weapon, too. Like... When they're all yeah. getting their weapon for the first time, he's like, I don't need a weapon. I've got this. Well, and it's yeah, like... go, go ahead and talk about that. Like, <laughs> mention their, their Bayards, which I thought was a pretty cool thing. Right, Bayards. Okay. But was, that, was that a term coined in this show, or was that what they were called in the original as well? I don't, I don't remember that from the original show, because in the original show, I don't even remember if they had those kinds of weapons. Um, their lions could, like, randomly make weapons, and Voltron... Okay is famous for forming what's known as the blazing sword. Right, um, right. But that's just kind of formed by him putting his lion fists together and then just, like, right. making the sword out of light. Which is also um, awesome. It's also awesome. Yeah. But I love that they, they paid an homage to it in this one. Um, so each of these paladins, as they're called, so a lion pilot is known as a paladin, um, gets the suit that matches the lion, and then it also gets a bayard, which really just looks kind of like a little handle at mm -hmm. first, almost like, yeah. a, like a half a donut. I don't yeah, know. It's, it it's hard it to describe. Of, it, you guys played the the Mass Effect games. Kind of reminded me of like those little pistols that you get that like yes, sort of exactly. extend. It was you know? exactly. Yeah, those. that's like what exactly. I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, and then each of them has sort of their own unique weapon that comes out of that. So like Keith gets a sword. Um, Pidge, I think, has. Um, they all have a shield. I think they all have a shield. Yeah. Um, or it can turn into a shield. But they all they all kind of get their unique weapons. I think Hunk's probably my favorite because it's just this huge like laser gatling gun. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's cool because they, they all have one and it goes with being a paladin. It's sort of their like on-foot weapon. But then you're clued in by Princess Alora, who we'll talk about in a second. When she gives Shiro his suit, she says, sorry, but your Bayard was lost with the former paladin. And he's just like, oh, okay, totally cool. And it's not mentioned again for a while. Um, yeah. So it's interesting the way that they kind of, they're almost like keys too. They're, they're like special keys for the lions that unlock different powers. Right. When either they awesome, are, that was really cool too. That was awesome. Like, it was a great. Yeah, just the, I mean, these just the fact great that they have multiple too. purposes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like their own weapon on the ground. Um, it acts as sort of an extra key to unlock special things in the lions, and then it acts an extra super special thing um, <clears throat> when you actually form Voltron. So Voltron now yeah. has access to multiple levels of these cool weapons, which we've only seen like two possible ones out of the four or five. Right. Which is pretty badass. It, it is. Yeah. So let's see, do we want to talk about briefly, I know we're getting a little short on time already because we've just been like waxing poetic about all these well, characters. I mean, but... I, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's worth noting that just like so many of these characters are so well done, yeah. but then we, we also have these villains and these villains are exquisitely done too, but I, I almost feel like you don't get enough screen time with them. Yeah. Like they're there and they're extremely threatening and you see even how within the, within their own constituency, how terrible and violent and awful they are to one another uh and so you know that the threat is there it's looming it, it's it's constant but they're not always present yeah and i think max actually that was one of his points in his review so max if you want to add on to that sure yeah it's like i uh so as a newcomer to this series i didn't I wasn't really familiar with any of these characters, wasn't sure if they were, like, in the original show or if they were new for this. Um, I knew, right. like, King Darkon and uh, Hag Hagar, is that her name? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that they were uh, that they were from the original show, but it was like, I had a, I kind of had a hard time just sort of figuring out, like, what their motivations were other than just, like, cool, like, I crave power type stuff, right? Because right. <laughs> I, I, and I, I, they did such a wonderful job, you know, fleshing out uh, the other characters and sort of, and, like, kind of fleshed out backstories i was kind of waiting for like the episode or the scene where we're like oh king's archon has like something else going or like oh this is why like hagar like joined forces with zarkon but you never really get any of those types of moments you get some you get some cool stuff with uh commander sendak i think right um uh, which was probably my favorite like villain even like both visually and in terms of the way that they handled his character okay uh, but but the but yeah the, i was just a. I i guess i i want to see more from them uh, I, I really want to see more of all this show, but, but in yeah, particular, definitely. I would like to, I would like to see more from the villains in like a potential season two. 
Yeah, it's interesting that the villains, when they do show up, they do seem like extraordinarily powerful just on like an individual basis, depending on what they're doing. Um, But then, yeah, they're not quite as fleshed out. We don't know what their real alliances are. We don't know what their background is. We don't know why like Hagar is as powerful as she is. We don't know why Zarkon is as powerful as he is. Uh, We know that they've been around for like 10,000 years and they've been pretty badass for a very long time. Yes. And we know basically that they're after Voltron because that's the last thing that stands between them and like total universal domination. So that's kind of a typical villain motivation there. But yeah, I, I would agree with you guys that I'd like to see a little bit more. What I really like is a villain we haven't mentioned. His name is Haxus, and he's kind of like an evil hacker who you don't <laughs> get to see all that often. And it was pretty cool because he goes up against um, the team's hacker, which is Pidge. So it's kind of cool how these different heroes and villains do actually get to pair off outside of their lines. And there's a lot of really good conflicts between different heroes, different villains as the, the series goes on. We should, we definitely need to mention uh, the last two Altaians uh, in existence, guys. It's like <laughs> the most endangered species out there. Um, so we've got Princess Allura, voiced by Kimberly Brooks, and Corin, right? Do they call him Koran? I, I think it was, I thought it was Cor- Koran. Right? Actually I, heard Kur- I heard Koran. Yeah. I think yeah. they call him they that, but him Sean and I last week we were just like, I don't know if I can do the Koran, so sometimes I just call him Koran. It just sounds weird to me. Is it Koran um, in the original series? I don't. It's Koran. Oh, I it is call Koran. him Koran. Yeah. yeah, spelled C-O-R-A-N for everybody else out there if they're wondering why I have such issues right. <laughs> with this word. Uh, but it's voiced by Reese Darby, who, like we said earlier, one of the funniest damn people. I love his delivery. He really brings an extra level to this character, but also to the show. Um, what, give me your impressions on Allura and then Corin or Coran. Sean? I think Kimberly Brooks did a phenomenal job with this. I, everything that she, she put in there, one of my favorite interactions is when she hears from the space mice that Pidge is a woman, and she goes to confront Pidge about this and is just so endearing and, and kind of cute, but, but also wanting of trust and understanding. She wants Pidge, she wants Katie to confide in her about everything that's going on. And this is the moment where Pidge is like, I'm leaving the Voltron force. And she just has such a, uh, such a, a terrible reaction to, to everything that's going on in this instance. But it, it's the moments leading up to her poorly reacting to this and the fact that they would no longer be able to form Voltron and that this threat is now probably going to crush them. She has like these like very cartoony anime moments where she's very like cheeky, like, you know, she's kind of making these like kind of cute kawaii moves. And it's just like, you can tell me anything. Like you can tell me (laughs) absolutely anything that you might be keeping secret. That's any possible thing that might be on your mind right now. You can just feel free to share. Just two girls, right? Just dishing. Yeah. Like just dishing it out. Just the two two girls. Come on, Katie. Come on, Come Katie. On, Katie. Yeah, the space mice like, told me everything. Yeah. The space mice see all. So I think that she did a great job. It just I would have never thought that Reese Darby uh would have excelled like this in this series. I, I was a little bit hesitant at first, but oh my god, I was a hundred percent wrong. He is just a, a comedic breath of fresh air in this whole show. I'm amazed that he hasn't done more voice work. I think he only has like two other quotes or two other roles, right. which yeah. is crazy. He, re- he really flourished. He's such a cartoonish character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Dave. Yeah. Max. Yeah. I, I've only watched the first five episodes of this show, and I know that you have both completed everything. Right. Are, are, there, are there any particular highlights any particular things that i should be aware of as i finish binge watching the rest of this season for me personally when i watched the uh, the origin story i thought it was i didn't think it was as ambitious uh, i didn't think it was ambitious enough and i was definitely proven wrong by the rest of the series so it really does open up quite a bit more you visit um, a couple other planets you meet a lot of other species that are out there some were a little weirder than others They do some really interesting kind of things with different environments on different planets and how the Voltron team is meant to interact with them. They end up, you know, kind of taking on the position of actual defenders and protectors of the sort of weak and innocent. And you got to remember that these guys are now in a position where they have to defend entire planetary systems and life forms from a force that just wants to wipe out everything. And you find out that um, 
it doesn't quite get quite as dark as Beast King Go Lion with the slavery and the cannibalism and all that stuff. But it does <laughs> it does get pretty um pretty intense because you find that they're not to give too much away, but they're basically sapping the entire like life force away from entire planets through a variety of different ways. So it does get pretty serious. Uh, I think the last thing I'll say is that it's this show made me feel like a kid watching Saturday morning cartoons again, which literally like nothing else has done since we've started this show. <laughs> um, so saying that and then watching the really um, thrilling and rewarding finale that still did have a cliffhanger that kind of left me wanting more, uh, I think definitely stick with this series. It should, you should just feel compelled to just go right from beginning to end. Max, if I left you anything to say, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I think you, you summed it up, but I, I will add also, it's just the, the serialized nature of the storytelling, I think is, is so well done in that um, these episodes, like individually, don't really end. You know, they kind of just go right into the next installment, which is, I think, a, a positive. So it's, it's really kind of like watching one long movie as opposed to a TV show, I think. Um, and I, and I think I mentioned that in my review as well, but it's, uh, it's, it's so cool to, to kind of just like sit down, watch the whole thing. It's definitely not a show where you like, you know, turn on an episode and leave it on in the background and, you know, call it quits after one or two. You have to, I, I think, it, I think it's really to your benefit to sit down and watch the entire thing. It, uh, if not in one sitting, a couple sittings, you know, you, there, there's, there's some definite breaks. Uh, there are a couple episodes that I think have kind of offended in, but um, more often than not, it, it, it seems like it's just, it, it's such a nice layered, uh, uh, overarching story with a bunch of like different subplots, but even those kind of overlap and interweave. And, uh, I, I just think it's so well, well done. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, I'm a convert now. I think I, I love the show. I love, uh, I love the characters. I love the universe. I think it's, I think it's just, uh, aces across the board. Yeah, and one of the greatest things about it, one of the best strengths is that, you know, 50 different people could watch it, all have a different favorite character, and all of them could be right, because every single character is so well-drawn, both Absolutely. literally and, and as far as the storytelling goes, that you could literally argue for any character being the best, for a variety of different reasons. And you rarely find that with shows. You, right. you normally Absolutely. find a weak point somewhere. Right. So yeah, this, this is good, man. I don't, I don't think I can say anything more or anything better, um, so I think I'm just going to leave it there. Anything from you guys? Other than other than saying this is all available on Netflix right yeah. now in these these thirteen actually eleven episodes, but it's it's available. Go check this out. This is this is brilliantly done. If you are looking for how to create a reboot or how to breathe life back into a franchise that was originally bought by two American jerks <laughs> that was that's all that no dubbing or translation and they were just like i don't know let's just make a show about this lion thing that tried to fight god uh yeah absolutely check this out 100 percent. this is i'm so you hit the nail on the head dave I, i'm so excited about this show and i've just been it's been a joy to watch it again all right i think that's going to do it for this round so let's just uh, go around real quick and we'll do a round of recommendations see if i can say round one more time uh, so, Sean, do you recommend Voltron <laughs> Legendary Defender? Absolutely. Uh, I think you've mentioned this previously. Uh, this feels like a far superior series that it's been excellent to go back and watch this and, and have this exposure. And uh, just I hope that other people who are doing reboots and, and, and original works like this can treat source material with uh, this amount of respect and love, as you can see in this, this new version of Voltron. Awesome. Uh, Max, how about you, buddy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, as a newcomer to this, uh, I, I would say this is a great entry point. Don't let the fact that you haven't seen the old series scare you off from this. Uh, definitely gives you everything you need to know uh, right off the bat. And uh, yeah, and if, and if you're a fan of uh, The Legend of Korra and Avatar The Last Airbender, I think this is also the uh, follow-up for you. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely recommend it. Yeah, that's going to be three definitely's here because this is, uh, it was a surprise, honestly. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like when we, when it was announced that Netflix was getting into this and then when it was like, you know, a binge-worthy Netflix series, it could have gone either way. It could have gone real kidsy, it could have just been a bad adaptation, but exceeded my wildest uh, expectations and dreams. So it was really, really good. And it's actually kind of my go-to Voltron series now, which is crazy and possibly sacrilegious to people out there, but <laughs> come at me, Voltron bros. Oh, that's right. Shots fired. Shots fired. Well, I want to say thanks to Sean as always, but a special thanks to Mr. Max Nicholson out there for joining yes. us for this Voltron. I'm glad we could expose you to the world of Voltron. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much, Max. So, Max, uh, if you uh, want to let the listeners out there know how they can get in contact with you and what you'll be up to over the next couple of weeks, the floor sure. is yours. Hey. Yes, thank you. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, Max underscore Nicholson, and you can see me poking around uh, IGN and Collider. Uh, if you haven't already seen it, check out my uh, review of Season 1 of Ultron Legendary Defender. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to these days. Awesome. And we will have all that contact information up on our landing page, along with links to uh, Max's reviews and uh, everything else Voltron related as well. So you can look forward to that. Sean, buddy, what are you up to? As always, I'm going to be on the Twitter and the Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. I will be performing live improv comedy throughout the entire month of July in Washington, D.C. And you can find out more information witdc.org. And I also am producing a comedy festival that's going to be in November of 2016. You can find out more information about that. And ticket sales will be going uh, live in the next couple months. And that's districtimprov.org. Very cool. We'll have that contact information up as well. Now, as for me, if you'd like to find, find out more about what I'm up to, you can head on over to collider.com. I'll be doing news and reviews as per usual over there. You can also check me out on Nerdist, where I'm a freelance science writer for that uh, lovely group of folks. And if you'd like to know more about my short fiction, you can head on over to davetrumbor.com and check out some short stories. If you want to know more about Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can do so at our website, saturdaymorningcartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also check us out on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Tumblr page, saturdaymorningcartoons.tumblr.com. You guys have been fantastic on our Facebook page and our YouTube account, so uh, feel free to just keep upvoting and give us your comments and your likes. Let us know what you think about this new show. Uh, and as always, you can listen to our free podcast each and every week through iTunes and Stitcher. And if you'd like to suggest a future show and let us know how we're doing, drop us an email, saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com. That's going to do it for Voltron Legendary Defender. Sean, why don't you let them know what we're going to be talking about next week? Ooh, we are going to talk about the original source material next week. That is BKGL, Beast King Go Lion. It's going to get dark. Ooh, it's going to get real dark. It really, really is. This isn't, this isn't for kids. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty tragic series. It's a tragic series. We're going to make Max go watch it now. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Saturday Morning Cartoons. We will see you next time.